Welcome to the Charlotte Mason Poetry Audio Blog, where we strive to share an authentic interpretation of Mason's life work. We thank you for joining us and hope you enjoy the program. Editor's Note The first article I ever read by House of Education graduate Eleanor Frost is her 1913 Bible Teaching in the Parents' Union School. Presented at the 17th Annual PNEU Conference, It has been one of my main go-to references for Bible lessons, and I have read it more times than I can count. Two years later, at the 19th Annual Conference, Frost presented again, but this time her topic was citizenship. She approached the topic with the same degree of insight and clarity that she displayed in her article on Bible teaching. We are thrilled today to add her paper, to our growing collection of articles by this remarkable student of Charlotte Mason. I hope you enjoy it. The Teaching of Citizenship in the Parents' Union School by Eleanor Frost God helping, we hope so to educate our children that duty and service will be their lifelong motive power. This quotation, taken from the conference leaflet, states at once both a great possibility and a great charge, and may be taken as the underlying idea of parents' union school teaching on the subject of citizenship. There is never any question as to whether the subject should be taught or not, as all are conscious today of the price that has been paid through the ages for our present state of civilization, of the labor, sacrifice, and struggle which has built up the present world. And we realize that to give children some knowledge of their great inheritance is a debt we owe them, that they in their turn may pay their debt to their country and so be enabled to pass it on an ever greater heritage. This aim implies the necessity of a knowledge of the possibilities in themselves and others as human beings some knowledge of their country and its government, of the empire, and, may I add, the world, that working round these ever-widening circles, they gradually realize all men and nations as but different parts of the one and wonderful city of God. It is in the idea of unity that perhaps the great hope of the future lies. This all-embracing view of citizenship seems a great ideal, but it is possible of a certain achievement if held through the ten or twelve years of regular school life, and if we remember the power possessed by childhood and youth for apprehending large ideas, to bring them into touch with great minds through the best books of the past and present, and to give them opportunities for service is to do much in drawing them towards a realization of their hereditary citizenship. To try and make this paper clear, it will perhaps be better to take in order some of the ideas underlying the subject, and to say what books are set in the parents' union school, and how they are used. 1. Know Thyself Doubtless many of those present have read Ourselves, written by Miss Mason and remember how it opens with those inspired words from a great poet, self-reverence, self-knowledge, self-control. These three alone lead life to sovereign power. 
to know of the God-given powers common to all men, and to see in every being the divine spark and a temple of the Holy Ghost, is bound to act as a spur to self-control, which must be all the more complete if based on some consideration of the way of the will and the way of the reason. In class two, there is no actual book set on ethics, but from Plutarch's lives the children gain inspiring ideas of self-management and the qualities that make a good citizen. For instance, in this terms, Life of Timoleon, they hear how he was gentle and courteous to all men, and that the marvelous good success in all his doings was due to his valiantness and virtue. In class three, the book set is Ourselves, which bears directly on everyday morals. This term, the pupils are studying justice and how it is due to others in word, action, thought, and motive, and of justice to themselves in self-ordering. It is dealt with so fully that the teaching is bound to sink into their inner consciousness, and being encouraged to illustrate from their history and the literature, they realize that each has indeed a charge to keep. Class 4 also reads Ourselves, and the moral nature which has received this fundamental instruction is further educated by the study of Wordsworth's autobiographical poem, The Prelude. In this work, the children follow the steps which influenced the growth of a poet's mind. For instance, in early years, nature seems to have been his one thought, and he wrote, O nature, thou hast fed my lofty speculations, and in thee, where this uneasy heart of ours I find, a never-failing principle of joy and purest passion. But towards the end of the poem, he shows us how that gradually led him to love of man. In the midst stood man, of all visible nature's crown, a being, both in perception and discernment, first, in every capability of rapture, through the divine effect of power and love, as, more than anything we know, instinct with Godhead, and by reason and by will, acknowledging dependency sublime. I am a citizen of no mean city. Let us take these words of the Apostle St. Paul to illustrate another thought on this subject. It is an undisputed fact that the greatness of a nation depends upon its cities, and these, in their turn, on the citizen both within and without the gates, and it is as each realizes the necessity all are under to take an intelligent interest in civic, political, and imperial life, that he will do much to stimulate those ideals, without which life ceases to be vigorous and progressive. The foundation of such an interest, with its possibilities of service, can be laid even in early youth by reading to the children of heroic deeds from history and by stories from many lands. History, especially, in every class, is one of the greatest instructors in citizenship. The book set for class two is The Citizen Reader by Mr. Arnold Forster, which tells clearly and simply about some of the chief laws under which English people live today, and about the freedom which has so often been won through suffering and sorrow. In many cases, these points are illustrated by historical stories, 
and the children begin to realize that what has been so dearly bought must be dearly prized. In Class 3, the book set is Sir Walter Besant's History of London, which tells about that city from the very foundation, its famous buildings and the changes they have undergone, its citizens and their work, interests, and dress, its trade, play, pageants, and lastly, its government. It is so charmingly told and illustrated that the children read it with joy and at the same time gain a wide view of the general civic life of the last 1100 years. For current history and matters of general interest, they read suitable articles from the newspapers. Class 4 has no books set under the heading of citizenship, but from the direct teaching in their previous classes, the pupils are able to recognize and appreciate the work of the great citizens of history. The happiness and mutual appreciation underlying the common weal of the nations learnt from geography, and to the gifts with which different peoples have been endowed. On this last point, there is a most interesting pamphlet set, Russia's Gift to the World, in which the short essays on literature, science, art, etc., show what she has contributed to the progress of civilization. In the introduction, Mr. McHale says, we shall never be in good and useful relations with any nation or with any body of our fellow men until we take some pains to understand them and to know what they really are, what they think, what they create, what they seek to attain. This knowledge is equally essential, whether we regard them as our friends or as our enemies. Thus, from different books, the pupils gain a large idea of citizenship and from the home side of patriotism, it expands until it embraces the empire and the nations of the world. If the true progress of the future is to be firmly established, it must be founded on a knowledge of the experience of the past, on a recognition of the gifts of the nations, and above all, on the instructed capacity to apply principles, to hold under God's hand our dominion over palm and pine is to live under a great responsibility and a great debt, and the thought of it rouses the aspiration that we may in some measure be counted worthy of this high stewardship. 3. Bear ye one another's burdens. At no time in our national history has there come such an imperative call to each one to do what he may in this great hour of extreme need, when thousands are gallantly laying down their lives and leaving their homes sanctified by sorrow, it is left to all to pray that they may be worthy of the sacrifice. Man and woman, boy and girl, has each his part to play, for God means all his children to be heroes. In classes one and two, the pupils have knitting and simple garment-making set under the heading work, and although I may be accused of straying into another field of the program, yet that work is a valuable training in citizenship, for they are learning to give both time and energy to help those who are serving their country, and if this work be salted by real self-sacrifice, then each is doing his share in upholding the national honor. Classes 3 and 4 have two small books set. One, 
Supreme Duty of the Citizen at the Present Crisis by Field Marshal Earl Roberts and the other, The Woman's Part by Elma K. Paget. In the former, the writer shortly traces the steps that led up to the war and then devotes the rest of the work to calling on every citizen to fulfill the national demands. He tells of the splendid answer to Britain's call from all classes of the community, and he appeals to those who ignore it still to show themselves worthy of the power they hold. He tells of the traditions of good government carried on in our dominions overseas, and of the glorious way in which their people have responded to the needs of the motherland. He adds a caution against what Mr. Kipling, during the Boer War, called Killing Kruger with Your Mouth. The book is powerful in its straightforward simplicity, and calls to that public spirit which makes men, yes, and children too, eager to spend and be spent in the cause of what is honorable in the sight of God and man. The woman's part gives us its substance and its title, and its different paragraphs on faith, courage, prudence, simplicity, and love show the claim that war makes upon womanhood, and show, too, how ultimate success depends largely on the spirit of the people left behind. Great demands are made on woman as on man, but along the lines of her own distinctive qualities. Classes three and four also knit and sew, and it is suggested that where possible they should talk to Belgian children. One feels that the honest child who said, The burden of the war is that we do knitting instead of play, was a true citizen, for as yet unseeing the glory of service, she did what she thought to be her duty. These activities bring children into closer contact with those of their own and other nations, and so go far towards fulfilling one of the claims of patriotism. Now we can gather these different points together and realize that their accomplishment is largely assured through the bringing the children into close touch with living books and through the formation of serviceable habits. By encouraging any organizing capacity they possess, and by giving them a certain power of public speaking gained through exercise and narration, both of which serve to equip a citizen with some power of contributing to the welfare of a community. There may be a danger of believing that activities comprise the whole duty of man in this connection, but in reality the greater and harder task required is a thinking love and an instructed interest in all that concerns a great inheritance. One ventures to think that had some of those workers, recently out on strike, received direct teaching in the principles of the Christian faith and on citizenship in their early youth, they would not have failed in their obligations to their country at such a crisis. In De Civitate Dei, St. Augustine says, in effect, that as the trials of the present moment are greater, so the energy with which Christians meet them should be greater likewise, that times of trouble are not the signal for discouragement but for a painful and fruitful contest. Children who, consciously and unconsciously, constantly imbibe the underlying and great notions implied in the one word, citizenship, will gain an idea of the true values of life. And as they grow to man's estate, 
will help to form a public opinion which, recognizing individual and national responsibility, will set itself to fulfill personal and imperial ideals, and above all so to unite the peoples of the world, that on earth there may be in some measure a manifestation of the glorious kingdom of God. This trumpet call sounds in Blake's stirring words, and did the countenance divine shine forth upon our clouded hills, and was Jerusalem builded here among these dark satanic mills? Bring me my bow of burning gold, bring me my arrows of desire, bring me my spear, O clouds unfold, bring me my chariot of fire. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening to the Charlotte Mason Poetry Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the program.